We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Wednesday, December 20th. We have not done a podcast on a Wednesday in a very long time, but holiday season is coming up. We got travel, we got things going on, we got people in and out of the office pretty much for the next week and a half. Uh, so we're going to do the usual Thursday pod on a Wednesday. Uh, and I want to start this pod, James, with the same way basically that I started yesterday's pod with Alex. I want to give you some time to reflect on the career uh, of Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, and I'll ask you the same question I asked Alex. Were you a Kobe guy growing up? Like when Kobe was in his prime, you're a little bit older than me, but you know, we, we were both around for the majority uh, of Bryant's prime. Were you, did you consider yourself a Kobe guy? So I have like a roller coaster ride of uh, my, how much I've liked Kobe kind of throughout his career. Mm-hmm. I was a huge huge Kobe fan when he was a rookie when he was like 20 21 22 years old I have a ton of Kobe Bryant rookie cards just you know all that all that stuff from from way back in the late 90s uh then when his Los Angeles Lakers and my at the time Phoenix Suns oh sure started doing a consistent battle in the Western Conference playoffs I was I was absolutely not a Kobe fan at all so is this like the Nash Stoudemire this, era this is Nash Stoudemire era Suns versus like the Kobe with like uh just some of those really bad teams like yep, you know yep. Smush Parker Kwame Brown Chris Mim that, that type of sure. thing yeah uh and so and like Ron Artest I think was around for some of that um yeah, that I I didn't like him then. Then then I then I sort of started to like him a little bit more. Uh and then I then What like, led to that? Uh just not really having a rooting interest one way or the other and I kind of liked his uh bravado. Um I've kind of skewed away from that though like through the year. Like this is when I was mm-hmm. like peak. I love Russell Westbrook. I love Kobe Bryant like I, w- I was kind of into that. Uh, Going through that phase? That, yeah, I went through a gunslinger phase. Sure, we all uh, have. And and now I've kind of come out the other end, a better better person, mm-hmm. a better uh, NBA fan, and thus can look back on Kobe Bryant's career and and uh, say that he was objectively probably a top 20 player of all time. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And I talked with Alex yesterday about the question you asked me, you know, as far as how would we rank 
Duncan, Dirk, Kobe, and Garnett. And I think we both agreed that Duncan is on another level from Kobe. Uh, I, I don't think the general public feels that way. I think. I think. I I think. Sure, the general, general, general yeah. public might not feel that way, but anyone who like is like a legitimate right. NBA fan, I think that's at least eighty twenty Duncan over Kobe. Anyone who doesn't have a picture of Kobe as their Twitter avatar, sure, I think would agree with that. Like, I, and I said to Alex, like, I don't, I think Kobe's career, even even though he's only been retired for less than two years, uh, it 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 hasn't exactly like aged super well. Like, oh, I think it's people aged horribly. I mean. It, the only person whose careers maybe aged worse is Allen Iverson. That's exactly what I said. Right. right. I think I think Kobe's better than Iverson. I, I don't yeah. I don't have any oh, yeah. issue admitting that. Um, but <laughs> big admission. <laughs> yeah, big admission that yeah, this is a full disclosure <laughs> podcast. Um, I, I just think that you know the the efficiency and the uh, the emphasis that that's taken when you you know it's something now that you have to. It, it's much more emphasized, I guess, when you're evaluating someone's entire body of work and throughout Kobe's prime advanced stats things like that just weren't as you know they they weren't they weren't as mainstream i guess as they are mm-hmm. now and and i think it's kind of easier now like kobe's main argument if you want to say kobe's a top 5 player ever or a top 10 player ever you basically just have to say he was a killer you know well, his mindset no 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 the, this is an argument i heard the other day on a, a terrible uh half hour show on espn where someone was saying like yeah but if kobe bryant was playing this player one on one like he'd yeah, probably right, beat him exactly. it's like yeah Sure. Yeah, he might have been, you know, top three one-on-one player of all time in his prime. But yeah, who so cares? is J.R. Smith. <laughs> like, who cares at all? Like, yeah. that's not that's not the purpose here. It's it's mm-hmm. you know, winning games. I think people equate like being clutch or being a killer with being the best. And player he ever. wasn't. And he him being clutch is probably the biggest uh, misnomer about Kobe's entire <laughs> career. He he wasn't clutch at all. Like, if you look at his. Uh, percentage like what he, what he shot on clutch. like clutch games he wasn't clutch at all and the reason why is because everybody knew he was taking the shot so you could overload your mm-hmm. defense so it's it's not to say that like he wasn't capable of making those shots it's just that he refused to pass in those instances <laughs> and the defense knew that he wasn't going to pass so right. they could load up on him so it's it's not uh it's not clutch to just insist on always taking right. the game winner because then you're, you're inevitably going to hit a bunch of them because you're taking you're the only one yep. taking them but uh yeah i mean to me it's not even an advanced stats thing with him it's just a style of play like he plays a certain style where he's not making his teammates better he's not always making the winning play he's just kind of making the hero play and that that's even tough to quantify but i mean i think mm-hmm. russell westbrook is kind of the the modern example where like russell westbrook in his prime kobe bryant in his prime you're going to win a ton of games just based on how good they are, but you're not maximizing your team's overall potential just mm-hmm. because you're you're kind of leaving guys, you know, not involved and and that type of thing. Right. I, I think it's very interesting how we view players like Kobe, and there aren't that many. There aren't many elite players that have kind of had that, you know, that that aura about them. I guess what Kobe would call the Mamba mentality. You know, it's like it's him. It's Jordan. Like I don't think LeBron has that. At least not in the you know you, you, people don't view LeBron as this you know cold blooded killer like 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 people talk about with Kobe. There's only been a few uh, all time, and I think that's kind of what's going to be carrying his legacy throughout. Is more of like how we remember him the the personality, I guess, than him on the court. Like that seemed to overshadow. For, like people are willing to overlook all of the good points that you just made because they're so in love with the aura of Kobe Bryant. Right, and he, I think one of the issues is that he just modeled his game so perfectly after right. Michael Jordan's game. That it's an easy transition for Jordan fans. Right, exactly. Like, you had just this very next guy to go after. He was playing the exact same style. His shots even look the exact same. Like, you've seen the, like, YouTube montages oh, of, yeah. like, Jordan shots and Kobe shots where they're the exact same like to a T, like every single thing about the shot is the exact same. Uh, and and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun style to watch when that player's in their absolute prime. Uh, and I think he's, his prime, uh, fortunately for him, happened to be a time when the NBA was just not as talented as it is right now, where, you know, some of the teams he was playing 
you know, it was like just beat. He had to beat Bruce Bowen one on one, and it's the the type of team defenses weren't the same as they are today. Uh, just the schemes in general. I mean, you could get away with you know shooting fifteen three pointers a game as a team or or whatever. Right. And it's just I don't think he would have been nearly as successful in today's mm-hmm. game. Uh, good player, but just extremely overrated. I mean, it, the idea the idea that he's even a top ten player to me is is kind of outlandish. Right. Okay. So, quick lightning round before I move on. In ten years, twenty years, whatever. It sometime in the future, if you're debating with someone, which player is better? We're just talking overall greatest players. Whatever that criteria means to you, who's going to be looked at as the better player, Kobe or Shaq? Shaq. Kobe or Dwayne Wade? Kobe. Yeah, that's one where I think the advanced numbers would favor Wade, but it's going to be Kobe. Like you, you would have a very hard time convincing anyone that Dwayne Wade was a better player than Kobe yeah I I I just don't really see Mm -hmm. the argument for it I mean Dwayne Wade maybe played smarter so that might his efficiency in certain seasons might look better but I just don't really see a case for Wade over Kobe okay well the other point that that I made when we were talking about this yesterday is like there are there are like 10 guys in the league right now who could pretty conceivably finish ahead of not only Kobe but a lot of these historically great players you know and it's, it's still too early to tell but Obviously, LeBron's up there. You would think Durant's going to be up there. Curry's going to have a chance. There's all these young big men who are certainly going to have a chance. So it, I think the depth of talent at the top right now, uh, I think, is going to be interesting to kind of note how far it pushes down some of these other guys who, for a long time, you know, have been consensus top 20 players ever, consensus top 50 players ever, things like that. Let's take a quick break to talk about FanDuel. The NBA is back, which means FanDuel is back. It's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day. That means no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. All you have to do is pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com rw. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with your first deposit. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Do you want to go Arizona or Trey Young first? Uh, let's save the best for last. Let's go with Trey Young. So Trey Young, 26 points and 22 assists last night uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners. And we talked about Trey Young last week. I would like to – can we go as far as to say we introduced the nation to Trey Young <laughs> last week uh, uh, after sure. he played well against Wichita State? This was Northwestern State, um, not quite on the level of Wichita State. Trey Young probably played a few more minutes in this game, uh, at, at least into the second half, than he should have. That said, he only played 29 total minutes. I mean, this game was a blowout from mm-hmm. the start. Uh, but it's not like they kept him in there for 40 minutes to to get this record. But 26 points, 22 assists, uh, 9 of 16 from the floor, 3 of 6 from 3. In terms of scoring, this was below his season average, so a little bit of a disappointing game from Trey Young in that regard. But I, I think we knew he was a good passer. He was, I believe, second in the country in assists coming into this game. Now he's first, um, and he has. I think he's the first major conference player since Mateen Cleaves to have 20 assists in a game. So, yeah, it came against Northwestern State. Yeah, it was a blowout. Uh, but still, I, getting 22 assists on any level of basketball in any game is, is pretty damn impressive. So are you saying he's the next Mateen Cleaves? Uh, well, would you bet on him being more Mateen Cleaves or more Steph Curry? Uh, <laughs> I mean, man, that's <laughs> – Mateen Cleaves, I guess. I mean – Scott Skiles once held the didn't didn't he once hold the NBA single season or single game assist record like I mean it's it's he, kind of a it's a funky record like might it's, still I think he still holds it thirty yeah. he had thirty right there's a lot yeah I don't I don't it was many that. assists um, I want to say he had thirty but yeah it's it's a really funky stat like you can kind of just get in the zone where you're just kind of hunting assists and uh, you're playing a team that's just not really up to the task of stopping you as a team and yeah. it might have just felt it might, he might have just liked the idea of getting 20 plus assists more than he liked the idea of getting 40 42 points uh and it's do you, do you think he's an elite like gifted passer like naturally just gifted in that regard kind of the way people talk about a guy like Ben Simmons or Alonzo Ball or is he just kind of a 
guy whose usage rate is just so mm-hmm. through the roof and he commands so much attention because of his shooting that the assists just kind of present themselves? That's a good question. Um, watching him last night, I definitely, you, you know, you kind of got that Curry type of vibe. I mean, tough comparison with Simmons just because they're so different size-wise in the way they play. I mean, Trey Young spaces the floor to 30 feet. Ben Simmons spaces the floor to, like, six feet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, you, he doesn't quite have that, like, next-level, like, super flashy type of vision that you'd see more more so from Simmons. Like, does he have the passing gene? Like, or, I think so, to some degree. Like, Russell Westbrook clearly doesn't have the passing no. gene, but he'll get you double-digit assists right. just based on his style of play. It's kind of a cop-out answer, but somewhere in the middle, uh-huh. I guess. You know, and, and he's so young that he could, he's probably only going to get better in that regard. I mean, I think it's much closer, I guess, to a Curry type of situation than a Westbrook situation where he just has the ball so much that he's just going to get assists because he's the only guy passing the ball. Um, but, I mean, it, this goes back to the overall point that it's very hard to get 22 assists in a game. Like, you ha- Is it possible to have 22 assists and not have the passing gene? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Did Mateen Cleaves have the passing gene? <laughs> he had the passing the gene. The Ron Dane of Michigan State. He had, the, he had the eating gene and the passing gene. He did. Uh, man, I, I think I think by the time he gets to the NBA, Trey Young's going to be really just a, a scorer. I, I don't – I just don't see him being this, like, 8, 9, 10 assists a game type of guy. Uh against NBA defenses it's just it just seems difficult to imagine have you where where would you predict he goes in the draft and where do you think he should go in the draft I mean you know I was I was going to say if he keeps this up like obviously he's not going to have 20 assists a game the rest of the way but he's shown really no signs of slowing down at all and granted half of these games have come against you know teams way outside the top 100 RPI but They've also played a decent non-conference schedule. They haven't just been beaten up on, you know, on directional schools. I think right now it would be justifiable to take him anywhere from 10 to 20, right? I mean, I, I wish I followed the draft as closely when Steph Curry was coming up. I mean, I, I think I was still early in high school at that point because I don't remember quite the process with him. Like, at what Could, point did people finally say, okay, you have to take this guy in the top 10? Uh I think it became kind of clear uh, halfway through the season where just every defense, no matter how good the team was, like was double teaming him. There I mean, was a game where he literally just stood in the corner and right. two guys guarded him. Davidson won the game. And right. I don't know if Curry even scored or took a shot. And, like, he was that, getting, that was kind of the turning it was, point it was, for me. It was kind of unheard of the amount of respect he was getting from college coaches. You, you just don't really usually see that in college. Uh, where a player can be that dominant. So I think he'd kind of established that he he needed to go in the top 10 halfway through that season. But, man, I feel like I still, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I don't know whether it's just the way he looks. I mean, from that same draft, you had a guy like Johnny Flynn. Like, I mean, there's been recent point guard, huge swings and misses, like in, in the top 10, in the top 15. It's not always a lock to, to kind of work out, even if the college numbers are great. I, I don't, don't know. Don't talk about Trey Burke like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Trey Burke, that's a good one. Um, Trey Burke did not have the passing gene. No, he didn't. <laughs> I don't know what gene he had. He'd, he seemed like a carpenter gene guy, <laughs> the little hook. Maybe he had the carpenter gene. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really not much more to say, I guess. We're going to have to kind of evaluate Trey Young, I think, on a you know, bi-weekly basis as we get into the conference season. Is there, is there a player that he could play? It's just, it's kind of a, a really down year for college point guards that I don't even know, like... like, you are, know, you, like are you asking, like, there, is there going to be, like, a ball-fox matchup? Right. Yeah, like, where... Uh, I mean, that was kind of with Landry Shamit's probably the best point guard he's going to play. Sure. They do play Kansas twice, so he'll go up against Vic and Graham and Malik Newman. Uh, oh, ooh. Saturday, January 27th. Oklahoma at Alabama. Oh, I didn't. How? How? I don't know. That's awesome. That just seems like a really random non-conference game, but it's working out pretty well. I sort of have a feeling that I think Colin Sexton might shoot 30 times in that game. Now, not sure how successful he'll be, but I think he's going to have something to prove that night. That might be. That's a top three game of the year if you're watching for draft purposes. 
Yes. They also play at West Virginia on January 6th. That'll be a good test. And they get West Virginia again in February. So Yeah, actually actually just him versus Javon Carter is right. is interesting. Like that Javon Carter's not going to be a good pro or anything, but like he's a very capable college defender who will go into those games with the plan in his right. head of I'm going to shut Trey Young down mm-hmm. tonight. Yeah, I, I mean Sexton versus Trey Young is probably the the sexier matchup, but yeah. if you're talking about wanting to see this guy get tested, I don't know if West Virginia there's probably not a team, you know, better than West Virginia for that. Arizona. Uh well, I'll let you take it from here. The Cats <laughs> the Cats have apparently me. well, hey, you were the one that wanted to talk I, about I this. They're they're apparently back. Um, although they did lose Trier to what looked like a pretty minor knee injury the other night. Uh but I mean, is everything good now for for the home team? Yeah, no, I think uh, everything's back on track. Everything's where we all uh, hoped and, and thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us coming coming into the year. I the the one guy I wanted to talk about. I mean, Aiton, DeAndre Aiton's uh, pretty clearly a top three pick at this point. He's probably he's rolling along. He's probably going to get some. Uh, I mean, he it's not probably he he is getting already some some number one overall buzz. I think it's. People are kind of starting to get split between him and Bakley just among the college guys. Uh, there's obviously the, the the big guy ahead of those two who, who's probably still going to go number one. But uh, to me, Raleigh Alkins just looks like an NBA player. He's got an NBA body already, as you and I saw at the, the Combine last year. It's kind of I think a, you need to disclose your relationship with Raleigh before <laughs> you talk about him like this. It's kind of a... Man, I mean, is it is it kind of like a Lance Stevenson type of body? Yeah, that's exactly the comp that I made last year. I mean, I think oh, he right. might even okay. be bulkier in the upper body it's, than Lance Stevenson. He's really strong, and he's got a pretty smooth three-point stroke. Yeah, uh, it's like if you mix uh, Stevenson with, like, semi ogile Yeah, and he's a weird player because he doesn't have it. I guess he's a shooting guard in the NBA, uh, but he he likes the ball in his hand. You know, he you could probably dream on him guarding one through three, uh, maybe not certain threes. Like he, he can't guard Kevin Durant, but I think he could guard a lot of threes. Um, so there's versatility defensively. I mean, is there almost like a Marcus Smart potential with him where yeah, you don't want him guarding fours necessarily, but if you have a couple guys out or you just need to do it for a couple minutes, he can, he can kind of at least yeah. not get pushed around. And he might kind of like be up for that cha- like that's right. part of the thing with Marcus Smart is he like lives for those types of challenges like I mean obviously he gets wasted by LeBron every time he tries to guard him but uh against some fours that aren't as aggressive and aren't don't take it as personally that Marcus Smart's trying to guard him he can actually hold his own and I think Raleigh Elkins could probably do the same I mean he's just so strong like there's so many uh, skinny fours in the league now where I mean Raleigh, <laughs> Raleigh could uh definitely hold his own um and i i think the offensive game he's he's way ahead of marcus smart in that in that regard i don't know i i think he's just going to be a fascinating guy to see where he goes in the draft because he, he obviously impressed at the combine last year he'll probably test fairly well can uh, he sneak his way into the back end of the first round is that that's probably his ceiling i think he's going to go in the first round i don't i just don't see what the case would be for him to not go that high now this isn't me just being super blinded as a Arizona fan like I, I think Alonzo Trier you know I might not even take him in the middle of the second round and I'm sure a lot of people probably think Alonzo Trier is the better player thank you for balancing out those takes <laughs> um but I mean, I think Raleigh Alkids is is an NBA player mm-hmm. and to me Alonzo Trier is not not really an NBA player at all yeah, I mean, I think I think Trier could be, or not Trier, uh, Raleigh could kind of be this year's like Josh Hart type of guy, you know, a little bit older of a prospect, and for that reason, like, I'm guessing that Josh Hart probably won a lot of like one on one, three on three, like workout type of type of drills. Uh, but as we see over and over in the draft, if you're a senior, you're you're only going to go so high, mm-hmm. no matter how productive you are. Uh, and I think that could, I mean Raleigh's he's only a junior, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so he's—I mean—he's got, a, I guess, one year uh, on Josh Hart in that regard. But still, like, it's pretty rare. He's Marley Elkins isn't going to average twenty and ten, you know, well, and go in the lottery. Like for for a 
bit player on a really good team and an upperclassman, there's kind of a glass ceiling as far as where guys like that can go. You think he'll be a better NBA player than Grayson Allen? Yes, I do. And I I, I don't hate Grayson Allen. I think no, I think Grayson I, Allen will be a decent player. I think Raleigh Alkins I mean, Raleigh Alkins, if, if there's a guy, you, you hear the cliche over and over, it's like, oh, coach told me the only way to stick in the league is if I defend. Like, mm-hmm. Raleigh Alkins is one of those guys that, at the very least, will be a really good, versatile defender. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I – get, I get a little gun-shy about saying that with uh, conviction these days just based on, you know, guys like Andrew Wiggins, guys like Josh Jackson, where, like, yeah. you're just like, oh, well, you know, at the very least – be able to defend and it's just like well yeah. will you though if you're so bad on <laughs> offense then that doesn't even matter um so this came up on the on the ringer pod which i was listening to last night and i, and I thought it was an interesting question uh I, I think i think their initial like prompt was someone asked them like is anyone in the in the lottery of the 2017 draft going to be looked at as a bust and Nobody's been like horrible so far, other than Fultz, and that jury's still out of him. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's what I was going to ask. Like, if you had to point to someone right now who's significantly trailing expectations, other than Fultz, I think it's pretty clearly Josh Jackson. Right. I mean, when you say bust, to me, there that implies mm-hmm. high expectations. So, even though you know a guy like uh, Zach Collins or you know, I, I think Malik Monk could go down as a bust. I wasn't that high on him, but I think a lot of people were. Uh, Luke Kennard is a guy that I would put in the Zach Collins bucket of, like, he's a lottery pick, but if he doesn't turn out to be a great NBA player, that's mm-hmm. not really a bust to me. Uh, the fact that Donovan Mitchell went behind Collins and Kennard is is not a good look, obviously, on the teams that, that took Kennard and Collins, but I wouldn't hold that against those two players specifically. But yeah, I think I think Monk and Josh Jackson are the two I would point to. Right. Where if you combine the expectations with uh, the production thus far, those would be my my top two picks. Those are two of my favorite players in the draft, so I really hope that's <laughs> not the case. But it, it's pretty easy right now to see in like three years, Malik Monk is in like a Ben McLemore situation. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, I yeah, I I wasn't. Josh Jackson was my favorite player in the draft, so it hurts me with him with Monk. I'd been kind of pounding the Laurie Markinen over Monk thing for a while, and I'm really happy the way that's turned out. But, yeah, Josh Jackson's making me look not so great. Mm-hmm. I I still, like I said, I'm still buying him uh, relatively based on where I think a lot of people, how far down people are on him right now. But, yeah, he doesn't look like a guy that could be a top three player on a on a title team. I think you can even extend that to the rest of the first round, and it looks pretty good overall. I mean, if you you start, Adebayo went 14 to end the lottery. Justin Jackson at 15, you know, I mean, it's impossible to evaluate anyone on the Kings, but he's playing rotation minutes at least right now. I think that's probably about what you'd expect. Justin Patton hasn't played yet for Minnesota. DJ Wilson has been in about exactly the role you'd expect. TJ Leaf hasn't really gotten much run. John Collins has been good. Harry Giles hasn't played. And then you get into the last like ten picks. You know, Terrence Ferguson about as expected back and forth from the G League. Jared Allen's been fine. Ananobi's been really good. I think Tyler Lydon might be the guy. Do, well, well, do, does OG Ananobi and Kyle Kuzma do they both go? I think they both clearly go in the lottery if it's redone. Do they both go top ten if it's redone? Okay, that's a good question. So. They definitely go in the lottery. It's, it's tough. I mean, and this, again, speaks to how deep this class is because those guys have been awesome. I mean, I think Kuzma goes ahead of Ananobi. If you, if you start at the top, does I mean, Tatum Kuzma's go are, one? Kuzma's a really bad defender. Like, he's an he absolute, is. absolute zero. Yeah, but uh, he at least owns it. Like, he doesn't claim to be a good defender. Well, but, I mean, Ananobi, it's a really small sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's shooting really well. No, I know. Three. You're right. You're right. So I, would, I would Tatum go close. number one? Let's start with that. Yes, Tatum well, goes. no, I actually think a lot of teams would take Mitchell. I think a lot of teams would take Mitchell number one right now. And I you think, think so? I think, no. I think Fultz and Dennis Smith and uh, Tatum are also in that mix. You don't think if you swap Tatum and Mitchell that Tatum would be even better than Donovan Mitchell is in Utah? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I don't know if he could handle that type of usage. Like, I also don't know – like, we don't know how much of this is – the system yeah like the coaching that type of thing like it's it's really hard for me to say and, I, and Quinn Snyder's a great coach um 
I don't think Mitchell would be allowed to do the stuff he's allowed to do in Utah, and I don't know if Tatum would be ready to do the stuff Mitchell's doing in Utah, like where where you're just kind of in charge of the offense. Uh, a lot of the stuff Tatum does is catch and shoot or you know just stuff in the flow of the offense where he's taking a really good shot. Sure. Uh, Mitchell's taking a lot of difficult shots. He's got a lot on his plate. I think it's just okay. it's tough to I, – Is it those two in some order to go one-two, though? <laughs> Well, I think Fultz and I think Fultz and Dennis Smith are up there. Okay, I still I think, I think Ball probably doesn't go two, but I don't think he's he falls no, that far. I think far. he goes in the top seven or eight. I think Markkinen goes top seven or eight. Fox and Isaac still probably go top seven I or think eight. Ball's still firmly ahead of Fox. He's ahead of Isaac, and he's ahead of Markkinen to me. Okay, might, so, I think teams would take him over Dennis Smith. Some teams. So now let's take the top seven minus Josh Jackson. Throw in Dennis Smith and Donovan Mitchell, then I think that's your your you top got, eight. You're at eight, yeah. And then I think Kuzma and Ananobi, like, are mm-hmm. they the clear nine and ten? Well, that's the thing. It's like knowing what we know now. Like, if you're Orlando, you've gotten basically parts of thirteen games of Jonathan Isaac. Have you seen enough from someone like Donovan Mitchell or someone, or not Donovan Mitchell, someone like uh, Kyle Kuzma or OG Ananobi to make you think twice? Or are you still, so. you're just like, well, we're, we're glad of what we have. You know, we haven't seen enough. With Isaac, Isaac out of all these guys was going to be the slowest to develop. So, sure. I mean, I, I think they knew what they were getting into with him. I don't, I don't think Isaac's a guy that you look back on and say, oh, okay. wish, they wish they could do that over. I think you, you look at the Knicks. I mean, I, Neil Aquinas looked better especially defensively, than I think some people thought he would. But, like, you would obviously take Kuzma and Ananobi over Neil Aquina. Uh, so you, th- you think Chicago for sure would go Barkin over Kuzma? Yeah. I think so, too. I think, yeah, I, I don't really think that's all that close, to be honest. Um, and but- the thing with the thing with Markkinen that, like, obviously the efficiency's trailed off a bit and, and he's he got banged up, but he was doing all that stuff as – one of the only like competent NBA players out there for the Bulls at times, like whereas Kuzma is allowed to kind of just flourish in this sort of fourth option role, and you know it's it's just it's it's impressive that Markkanen's been as good as he's been with really just nobody next to him to to make him better at all. Wow, nobody. Okay, <laughs> shots fired at Paul Zipser. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fire some shots. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, one of these times, maybe at the All Star break, we'll do like a full first round redraft. What's new in daily fantasy sports? Sports Yard, the latest daily fantasy soccer entertainment platform, offering fun, fast, and fair contests. Sports Yard brings an enhanced platform with the fastest real time participant point total updates, high quality user friendly application fun and engaging graphics, and a level playing field that will allow beginners the same opportunity to win as the experts. Create your dream roster with no salary cap and track your point standings in real time. You can feel like you're the one walking the sideline. It's easier to play and it's easy to win with SportsYard's lightning-fast interface and clear and current ranking system. SportsYard has also signed a deal with Opta. They are the number one data provider for live scores. The company plans to grow outside the U.S., It's going to be expanding to the UK, to Spain, to Australia, even Ireland. So go to www.sportsyard.com to sign up and play for free today. A couple more topics to get to. Let's see. Where do I want to start here? Who would you rather have for the next five years, CJ McCollum or Devin Booker? Uh, Devin Booker. I think he... I mean, what's he, like, four years younger than McCollum? At least. I mean, like, McCollum played yeah, a lot of years. years. <laughs> or something like that. I mean, like, Devin Booker's prime might not realistically get underway for three more years. And then I think that people point to his three-point shooting and, like, say that he's not as good a shooter as a lot of people think. And I, to me, the whole thing I said about marketing applies there, where, like, if you're playing the Suns, why would you ever give Devin Booker an open three? Like all the threes he's taking and making are tough shots. Uh, I just think it's it's rare that you see a player this good at scoring this early in his career. He obviously has some huge flaws defensively, but it's not like CJ McCollum's this amazing two way player. And mm-hmm. I would just take the the younger player with with a bit more upside. I think this would have been a much more difficult question to answer last season because the big difference is you can hand cj mccollum 
the keys to your second unit or even your first unit, depending on your roster. And he can be your point guard. He might not be the greatest point guard, but he he's just that good of a diverse offensive player. And I don't think Devin Booker had really shown that. But prior to the injury this year, over four assists per game, which for a guy who is basically 100% gunner for the first year and a half of his career, like that, that's actually a pretty decent number. So that combined with the fact that he's five years younger than McCollum, I think makes that relatively easy like would you still say McCollum is is the better player right now yes yeah I don't think that's overly close but it wouldn't surprise me if that flips within the next two years no I would be I'd be very surprised if Booker's development stalled out okay uh well we just kind of talked about these guys but all things considered if you're the Phoenix Suns if the Lakers are willing to do this right now would you flip Josh Jackson for Kyle Kuzma just pull the plug on Jackson uh, oh man, uh, no, but I would be very tempted to. I think that it's kind of a matter of like the, the Suns need a couple more, you know, borderline top 40 players to go next to Devin Booker if they hope to build anything with this current core. And Jackson's upside to me is still higher than Kuzma's just based on the uh, athleticism and the defensive upside, but it'd be, I mean, it would be tempting. Like it, the whole reason I, I still take Jackson is because of the makeup of Phoenix's roster. Like if, if this was a situation where, you know, I already had, uh, like say it was the jazz and the jazz had Josh Jackson versus Kyle Kuzma. I might take Kuzma just cause that's a team that's, that's a piece or two away from, you know, competing for 45, 50 wins with like a healthy rest of the roster. Whereas the Suns team just, they need, lottery tickets on potential stars if they want to get out of this hole they're in I agree I agree I think if you yeah it's a different situation if you're a contending team like right now obviously you'd rather add another like Kuzma's score and Kuzma, so much more safe like he's, yeah. he's so much like you know like eight ten years from now yes. Kuzma's gonna be Kuzma's gonna give you 20 and 8 for the next like 12 years yeah and it's gonna it's gonna be really bad defense uh but, yeah, I mean, the amount of rookies from this class that you can say that about, even with a, mm-hmm. a great class like this, it's still not that much. I'm really interested to see now. Brooke Lopez is going to miss at least three weeks, and he's kind of been slowly seeing his role reduced in L.A. Like, I I think they're just going to go small, right? Like, you know, I was talking to, to some of the guys yesterday about this, and it's like we, we I think we have, like, Andrew Bogut projected to start <laughs> just because they've had, you know, that figurehead type of mm-hmm. true center in there. But even if that's the case, Bogut's going to play like four minutes. Zubac is going to play like five minutes. And then it's going to be a lot of small ball with Randall and, and probably sometimes Kuzma and Larry Nance in there as, as a, a small ball center. I think that's going to be really fun with the rest of that team. Right. If you have three of Randall, Kuzma, Nance, and Ingram in there, you're not, you don't have the rim protector, but you still have a ton of length. So, mm-hmm. and why, why not? I mean, I, I think a lot of, that would give a lot of teams some some issues just matching up. So right. why not? Um, I want to talk about Lonzo real quickly. I I sent you a clip of Lonzo knocking down a very unceremonious mid range jumper the other day. Have you even watched the clip? I don't. I couldn't tell if you did or not because his, his <laughs> jump shot was night were, and day in this you clip. Were, Your reaction you so, did not. You were so excited about his form on this like twelve footer, and we're just. You really wanted me to be like, whoa! I did, <laughs> and you weren't. No, I, I look. I don't know. I it's the I'm overall just, question is: Are you encouraged that he's actually shooting respectably from the field over yes, the last five or I'm, six games? I'm very, very encouraged by the returns over the past two weeks. Uh, I don't know. It's I. I need to see like a large sample of him. And it doesn't even need to be like forty percent, but just him hitting, you know, thirty four, thirty five, thirty six percent of his threes, like over a two month stretch, and then I'll be extremely encouraged because that's really, you know, he's a consistent three point shot away from being a guy that, you know, you wouldn't consider as a potential future all star to a guy that you'd say, you know, yeah, he probably has a shot. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot. <laughs> uh, he, I thought he looked awesome against the, against I, the Warriors. See, I think it's funny that. Um, this has started to come out after the embrace, the 
uh, LeBron James and Lonzo Ball oh embrace, and now all, nothing to do with this. Now all of a sudden, like I'm getting these these clips of twelve foot jumpers that go in, and it's just a you know it's kind of a propaganda machine about how how good Lonzo Ball is after has after LeBron to do with James this. put his arm around him and it has and nothing to do with this. Told him to not tell the media what he says. Oh my God. <laughs> Speaking of Lonzo, did you see? Uh, Lavar announced his newest endeavor today. Yeah, I feel like we should. We should. I, I hate talking about anything Lavar Ball related, but this is actually relevant and interesting. It so is. we can talk about it. Um, I am all for anyone who wants to stick it to the NCAA, and even if it even if that means it's Lavar Ball, then let's go for it. Uh, now, this is probably just a attention grabbing quote that he probably hasn't even you know put much thought into like the the logistics are very complicated because you obviously need like it's not just like an aau setup like you need all kinds of uh stuff in place you know trainers equipment facilities tv deals like all this type of stuff like needs to be set up for it to be a viable option instead of college but Say they set up like a perfect thing and like had the right people behind Which it. Which I'm sure they will. Like, I would I would choose that over college in in some instances, especially if it's, uh, I mean, because as as soon as you play it, like as, if you take that route, you can start getting a shoe deal right away. Now, the one big snag that seems obvious is that it's if it's called the Big Ball or League or whatever, it's not. like. Is he going to make people wear big baller brand shoes? It's going to be called, apparently, according to the great Darren Ravel, it's going to be called the Junior Basketball Association or the JBA. Oh, okay. And the logo is very clearly a silhouette of Lonzo Ball <laughs> 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 going up for what could be a dunk or a layup. It's very ambiguous. Right. Uh, so as long as these players are allowed to wear their own sneakers and sign their own like endorsement deals and all that stuff, if they're actually going to get ten grand a month, uh, and it's just you do it for one year, then you go in, into the league or whatever, I think it's got a chance. The other big question, though, is can you fully stock that league with talent? Because how many players are there really that are good enough for that to be a viable option instead of college? Right. Like you would, you would have to be a guy where there's a pretty good shot that you're getting drafted first round, second round, doesn't really matter, but you're getting drafted without going to college and playing in this league. So how many of those guys are there each year? Like 15? Well, here's the thing. So according to the article, which is written by Ravel, um, I'm quoting here, Ball said his junior basketball association, which he said is fully funded by his big baller brand, plans to play plans to pay the lowest ranked player a salary of $3,000 a month and the best player, $10,000 a month. Ball is looking for 80 players to fill 10 teams that will seek to play at NBA arenas in L.A., Dallas, Brooklyn, and Atlanta. Uh, Next paragraph. Quote, getting these players here is going to be easy, Ball told ESPN. (laughs) This is giving guys a chance to get a jump start on their career, to be seen by pro scouts, and we're going to pay them because someone has to pay these kids. But I just where like who are these players like? I mean, will they just take anyone? Like, will they keep taking guys until they get to eighty? And like, could just some guy that would be a walk on at like Duke? Like, if they're if they're only at like sixty five guys, are they gonna like take this guy who can hit an open three and has zero chance of ever playing pro anywhere? Like, I think the idea is that guys could play multiple years here, right? I mean, okay. I mean, I think LeVar Ball hopefully knows that 80 players can't get drafted every year. Right. And but I think, are you assuming that, you know, guys like LaMelo, like, are we going to see high school sophomores do this? <laughs> do this? I mean, seriously, no, I think I mean, that's on the table. So that, if you're willing to dip down into, like, junior, sophomore, even, like, freshman high school players for this league and run it over multiple years, then then I think you might have something because you would basically just funnel every like top 20 recruit into this league in high school right so then it starts to make a little bit of sense but to me if i'm if i'm just some you know i've got this uh 
scholarship offer to go play at like Michigan and I'm going to probably, you know, come off the bench as a freshman, start as a sophomore. I'm probably not going to play in the NBA or even the G League ever. I might try to play overseas at some point. To me, the the degree at Michigan is actually worth more than the money I'd be getting per month to play in that league. I think it's tough to convince kids of that, though, some kids. And I think that I think that there's a broader appeal to the Ball family among younger kids. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really do. I, I think no, I, I, I think you, you see these videos of these kids lining up for like hours well, and like, hours to buy a fifty dollar hat. Lamelo La Ball's got more like He's Instagram over a followers than like almost every player in the NBA. Right. Yeah. I, I I think a lot of people laugh this off as a joke, and like in some ways it is. But you know, there's like there there is a following for this family. Just like there's so, a, just like people always like my dad is constantly complaining about the Kardashians because that's what old. <laughs> white men do and it's like hey they're making tens of millions of dollars every year because even though people claim to not care about them they do so if you're an advisor and like say uh say you're like zion williamson's advisor i am and it's like on the table that instead of playing high school basketball this past season or this this current season i guess you're playing in LeVar Ball's league, which will inevitably mean you can't, the NCAA is not going to approve you to ever go play college basketball. So you're, this is the only basketball you're probably going to play till you get drafted. Would you advise him to do that and forgo ever playing college hoops slash ever going overseas to play for a year before entering the NBA draft? In this situation with it being Zion Williamson, no, because I think there might be too much to lose. Like Zion Williamson would theoretically be like the first crop of players to play in this league. Mm-hmm. I think for this to work and be seen as a viable option, like obviously if Zion Williamson did that, it's not like teams would just cross him off, mm-hmm. but I just wouldn't want to, you know, mess with the system, I guess, for lack of a better term, which is exactly what LeVar Ball is trying to do. I just think it might take some time for it to what if you're, get to the point it needs to be. What if you were just like this next class is, uh, say, Colin Sexton or sure. Trayvon Duvall or just some guy who, like Jaron Jackson, some guy who maybe has a chance to be a lottery pick, probably a better bet to just be kind of a, a mid to late first rounder. But, you know, you're not the, – the, the, the kid tells you, like, look, I'm, I don't care about college. Sure, I could probably get, like, 100, 150 grand under the table from some college to go there. But, like, then I'm putting, you know, some people at risk and, and all that stuff. And it might not all be going straight to me, whether, whereas if I go in this league, it's going straight to me. Like, does it make sense then if you're, like, that second-tier caliber prospect where you're not, like, top three, top five in your class, but you're a little further down? I think what it comes down to is how badly do you need the money, right? I well, mean, that's what LeVar Ball's pitch is. It's like, I can't, I can't offer you... But is there, I see, like, is there anything for those guys to lose by... If, if you don't care about college at all, and, like, you know, there are a ton of guys that go to college and aren't great bets to be lottery picks, but they're coming out no matter what. Like, uh, like Tyus Jones, I feel like he was coming yeah. out no matter what, because Julio Locafor was coming out no matter Kobe what. Kobe Simmons. <laughs> Kobe Simmons. Just too good for college and uh, definitely going to just see where the chips fall, play pro basketball. Yeah. Like, what is there really to lose by, you know, if a guy like Thon Maker can just go to the combine, right. work out for some teams, go in the lottery, like, what what are you really losing by playing in this league? Right. I don't think you're losing much at all. I, I think if LeVar Ball is able to put out a respectable product that's not a complete joke, you're not really losing much at all. And in fact, you're gaining ten, you're, you know, $80,000 if you're playing for eight months. I don't know. I think it would just... I don't see how it could look like a joke because it would just look like a really, really good AAU game. Yeah. And like that's, I think that's all people goal, would yeah. expect. Like that's, nobody, in, in essence, that's what... College basketball is just a big glorified AAU game, right? Well... I don't think so, because, like, college basketball, you have upperclassmen who, you know, you have coaches, like, running systems where if you sure. don't do what they say, they're going to pull you, they're going to take away your minutes. Like, I think this would be way more just a player's league where mm-hmm. you have, you know, athletic guys that don't have a ton of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, skills, you know, dribbling, passing, uh, defending, all that stuff, and they're not 
necessarily being told to do that by whoever yeah. the, the coaches are going to be in this league. But Look, I mean, I, I think people are going to view this much differently because it's LeVar Ball. And for the record here, this article does state that uh, the players would all be wearing big baller brand shoes and big baller so, brand uniforms. So then it's, to me, it's immediately uh, a non-starter at that point. I, I just don't see, if you can go, like if Adidas is going to give your handlers or, or your family members or whatever, like a couple hundred grand for you to go play at Louisville or wherever, uh, why would you go play for this guy, wear some crappy shoes for 10 grand a month? Like, I, I, to me, if you're not going to let the guys get endorsement deals and wear Nikes, wear Adidas, wear Under Armour right away, then what's the point? Like, I, I, I think at that point, you've completely made it yeah. non-viable. I just think there are kids out there that would take the but I think, $70,000. I think you've cut it at least in half. Like, yeah. by, by saying, like, because if you're Zion Williamson, Adidas, is, is he an Adidas guy? I want to say his His AU team is, yeah. Yeah, so, like, He's already Adidas and him already have this long yeah. planned out thing where yep. he's going to be an Adidas. Well, guy. not hey, we don't know that. He's just only worn Adidas sure. things everywhere <laughs> sure. for the last three years. You don't know um, for sure. Yeah, and like, there's just nothing in it for him, right? To wear big baller brand, right? There's the, for the top top guys, and I don't think it makes. And sense. I think I think Levar Ball is making a huge mistake if he goes this way because he's going to generate. Uh, the buzz and like for the guys that don't have affiliations with shoe companies they'll wear your stuff because you're giving it to them for free right it, they they probably think it's kind of cool like they nike hasn't been pumping them up their whole you know middle school high school careers so like they're they're open to wearing big, big baller brand but the top tier guys that aren't going to wear big baller brand in the nba like there's just no they're already getting taken care of in right. one way or another by going to college yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, counterpoint, Amon Shumpert committed <laughs> to Georgia Tech when they were sponsored by Russell over Marquette uh, when they were a Jordan school. So I don't know. I would argue that it's some good, kids don't care as much counter. about that. You should do a think piece. I Well, it's been in the works for <laughs> about a decade now. Um, I The last point I want to make on this is that I think it would be viewed differently if it wasn't LeVar Ball. Like, college athletics and the feeder system for the NBA has been trending towards a system – like this i think for a while basically just uh some sort of intermediary from the aau high school circuit right to the right. nba like they, you said thon maker is a, a decent example of that um if it was kobe bryant who came out and said i want to start this league i'm going to fund it i have some backers people would be talking about wow what a visionary this is such a great idea no, we I, trust kobe i just but, said at the top it's a great idea yeah like, i know i'm saying because it's lavar ball people are going to laugh it off I just, I mean, those people just aren't going to take any idea seriously then. But, like, I think people are going to, if he was doing it properly, I think people would be all about it, like, mm -hmm. especially smart people. And I and I think that it's about time someone challenged the NCAA. Right. And I don't really care. Who better than LeVar Ball? I mean, the Kobe Bryant, actually, that's, that's a really good idea. Uh, or, like... Just a more respectable figurehead for the league. Now, I mean. like... Ice Cube. Michael Jordan couldn't do it because he he has a stake in an NBA no, franchise, God. but like, but like, Tim someone Duncan. like that, like who has a ton of money. Um, now, if he made them made them all wear Jordan brand, I think that actually would yeah. have some. Well, lights. that's the thing. Like, and it, obviously this is fictional, but with like Jordan or Kobe, it's like here's the scenario: would let's say this league, you know, is a startup. It's it's in startup fashion for the next couple of years. Like, is there a chance like down the road that you could see? Nike buying in, Under well, Armour buying in, because they're obviously directly related to college basketball. I think it would have to get very popular, right? Because it's—I don't know how you could have one foot in one. Yeah, I don't think you can. Like so, I think yeah, it would take I, a secondary brand like Under Armour, who's not nearly as ingrained in college basketball but as Nike it is. Doesn't so? It, I don't even think it has to be funded by a sneaker company well not funded but i mean if you're so if we're so worried about like the big baller brand image like would it would they ever like you know would it ever swap over to a different brand for image reasons or for money reasons like if adidas is willing to say hey w if you get everybody to wear adidas stuff in this league we'll pay them double something like that you know actually i'm starting to think like maybe it just wouldn't be viable 
at all for any of the top Adidas Nike guys to ever play in that league because Nike and Adidas are going to tell them you have to go play for Kentucky. You have right. to go it's, play. That's for what's Duke. happening now, and what's so, been happening for the last thirty years. So maybe my whole idea of you have to let those guys wear their their shoes doesn't even make sense because they're not playing regardless because they can't wear their shoes. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I couldn't picture Zion Williamson going up to the Adidas rep and saying like, "Thanks for all the offers, thanks for all this, but I'm gonna go play in the big ball brand yeah, league for I, a year. I need this catch ten, you on the other side. I need side. this ten grand a month, right? Um, so now all of a sudden you just you've you're really kind of eliminating a good eighty percent of like the top twenty players. Right. This is a direct threat not only to the NCAA but to the whole business but of I, college basketball. I don't th- no. I'm I'm saying it won't work because you don't have adidas and nike yeah. and under armor on your side like when I, all those companies and all the clout that they hold and all the coaches and programs that they control would be united against this right. you so know you're I, not fighting them individually i think it's a good fight it's a good idea to for somebody to try to fight this fight but the fact that it's an, a shoe company that's trying to compete like adidas and nike like run high high-end divi- division yes. one college hoops like and so you're a, t- a company that's trying to compete with those two companies mm-hmm. and they're just gonna they're not gonna have it so i think it, it has a lot better chance to work if it's a individual entrepreneur who has no ties to any of the shoe companies and is just trying to say like hey you know your guy can come he can mm-hmm. start repping nike he can start being in commercials and stuff like that like he won't be at Duke, but he'll be on. Like I'm, I've got deals with ESPN. I got deals right. with exactly. whoever else. Like so, he's still going to get exposure. Then I think it has a chance. But the fact that it's being backed by this direct competitor right. to Adidas and Nike just doesn't doesn't make it seem like it's going to work. No, I totally agree. So, do you think that if oh, I'm trying to decide how I want to phrase this, then so like if it was if it was pitched as another an alternative to college, not necessarily college versus this league would that be viable at all is there room for two separate systems or eventually is I one going to win out I think out? there is because I think uh like all these guys their money is changing hands but it's not going to the players in right. a, in a lot of cases and I think if there was an option like if you're a player you can keep your relationship with Nike you can start getting direct paychecks into your bank account as an 18 year old for one year right then you go into the NBA and you're going to be on TV this whole time. Like to me, that's, that's a viable system. Right. Well, you're also keeping your relationship with Nike on a legal basis. Not, not, you're not going to end up in a Brian Bowen situation where, you know, he's who knows Brian Bowen could have very well been a lottery pick and he still might for all we know. I don't, I don't know what his situation is exactly with Louisville, but he's got a, you know, blemish on his reputation going forward. And he's going to get asked about that everywhere he goes. He's going to be, oh, you're that guy that didn't play because of the Patino scandal. Like, you can have those relationships, but it's just legal because you're well, not you're doing the NCAA. And I promise, I promise you that there's a lot of high, high-end prospects who hate the idea of their stepdad or their uncle being the guy that's getting 50, yeah. 60, 70 grand just because they have a relationship with them. Like, they want that money. Yeah. So, I think even the general perception of the NCAA has fallen off so much in the last five years, even mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm a huge college basketball fan. I've been a huge college basketball fan my whole life. And like, I think most people like myself are willing to say, I enjoy the product, but this isn't going to last, the NBA, you know, the, like, the NCAA is just a complete joke. Right, like even like an people who cover the NCAA routinely say yeah. this, you know, yeah. like it's just, it's only a matter of time. Like this has been coming, I think, for a while. Maybe not in this exact form. But I mean, the NCAA would be very, very, very wise to lift all restrictions on uh, sponsorship deals for players as soon as possible. Because I, I there's just there's very, very little to lose, and you're saving. You're getting out in front of this thing and like preserving your thing. Because if mm-hmm. if all this stuff can just be above board, then everything just continues to work the way it's always yeah, worked. It's, it's exactly. You're just, it's like decriminalizing right. marijuana or something like that, you know, like a, something that everybody acknowledges and knows is going on, but right. you're almost just punishing it just because. Well, right. You're, you're punishing it because, because you, you did 50 you're just afraid ago. of the idea of having to start paying these players, but you don't realize 
you don't have to be the one paying these players. Just let Adidas right. and let Nike They'll happily pay do them. It. They've been like, happily yeah, doing it. Like, just let them give it to them directly. They'll, give, they'll probably give them more money than you would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole forever. I think it's it's so far from a clear-cut solution. Um, maybe maybe we'll do a pod on that over the summer. But anything else you want to close with? This is, this is a good discussion. Uh, no. No? All right. Sounds good. Well, we will be back sometime next week, I guess. So happy holidays. Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.